Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming at you from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. So we have a great guest for you today, uh, Dan McCool from Warren the Duke. Uh, they're a really fucking awesome band out of uh, Brooklyn, New York right now, and they are a New York City alt-punk feature members of Verde C- River City Rebels and Big D and the Kids Table. The thing about that is a uh, huge fan of Big D, huge fan of River City Rebels. I used to see both of those bands many a times in halls and venues in central Connecticut. And uh, so I kind of figured out that uh, when he was playing in River City Rebels, I definitely saw his band. Uh, so we hit cross paths. So I thought that was really fucking rad. Like, what a small world. Uh, check them out on the Bandcamp. They're on Twitter, at WarnTheDuke, Facebook.com, uh, slash WarnTheDuke1. They got a great uh, new video that was just focused on Blank TV for uh, Harry O'Connell. They're fucking awesome. Uh, Dan was super nice. I I got to listen to the album already, and I love it. I do my best not to geek out, but ever since we've recorded, I've continuously been listening to that album. It's great. Their new album will be coming out in October October 16th. Uh, Ghost Be Gone, so look out for that. Find them on Bandcamp. Talk to them on Twitter or Facebook them, like, they're just Dan was so fucking cool and has a lot of insight to like the, the a punk scene that I was involved in and it's kind of interesting to hear someone who was really involved in the music scene in the early 2000s and then kind of come back to it and fuck a whole lot has changed I mean Dan was on Victory Records in the era I think I'm saying this right of like tapes definitely CDs and now coming back in his like 30s and doing it and like how do you it's just fascinating. And if you're listening to this episode in real time, you can go see uh, Warren the Duke in concert, all you Boston folks. Uh, Midway Cafe on September 19th. They're playing with the Drax, Warning Shots, Duck and Cover at the Boston Burning Festival. And then Halloween, also known as Scalloween, at Bright- Brighton Music Hall, Big D and the Kids Table, Spring Hill Jack. Uh, they'll be playing that show as well, and there's a great chance that I'm going to be there because I fucking love Scalloween. Those shows were some of my favorites. Uh, anyway, just do us a favor. Rate us on uh, iTunes. That's stuff really helpful. As always, this podcast is on the Misfits Podcast Network. You could check out all the amazing podcasts on the, that network on themisfitsnetwork.com. They have a Twitter. They have a Misfits Network feed you can subscribe to on iTunes as well as this show. Um, email list, yada, yada, yada. Uh, just you know, follow us on Twitter at Let's Chat Podcast, Facebook, all that good stuff. And anyhow, uh, let's get to it. We are gonna have a song at the end. It will be the Warren the Duke's uh, Harry O'Connell. Really great fucking song. Well, let's get to it. The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid to Bring Funk, Master Flex, Love, Funk, Star, Ski Are you from, uh, are you from Vermont? Or are you from Mass? No, I'm from, um, I'm from Brockton originally And then, uh, well, I guess, uh, like Stoughton, Brockton Yeah, yeah uh, And so I used to set up a lot of shows. I wish I had been able to send you this other podcast, actually, because there's a lot of background. Like, I used to set up a lot of shows in the South Shore, like Stoughton, Easton, Mm -hmm. uh, Randolph. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do a lot of shows at, like, uh, Knights of Columbus's and stuff. And we used to set up shows for, like, Dark Buster and um, my old band, The Scullies, from Stoughton High. 
kind of turned into, well, didn't turn into, but like we went off to join, some of us went off to join River City Rebels, other of us went off to join Lost City Angels. Um, so you were in River City Rebels, right? I was the, yeah, I was the trumpet player for the first album and then the singer for the second. And then I did a little touring with them. Um, really, I, you know, I, I remember Lost City Angels as well, too. Yeah, we, uh, they we had were, a member from uh, Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, Ron from Spring Hill Jack. They're actually playing that Big D show, uh, speaking of Spring Hill Jack. So yeah. I'm really psyched for them. I'm, uh, I'm from Connecticut, so like Spring Hill Jack's in my blood. Oh, yeah, I'm, totally. I'm from um, the town next to Wallingford, where uh, God, the singer, I think, was there a singer that died, or was there a drummer? From, I'm, yeah, I think it was their drummer. I think he was, I don't, I didn't really, the only guy I really knew was Ron, so I, I wasn't. Yeah, I they think... were like way before my time. But right. Like, so right. I was outside. I grew up in the outside New Haven area. Um, ah. I remember because I've seen River City and Big D together. So I'm 31, and mm-hmm. like, so you must. I I we if you played in Connecticut, then I we've definitely I've seen your band River City. Band oh before. yeah, we used to play like the Tune In and Columbus uh, Hall uh, with Big D. Right. Yeah, totally. Yep. I my it's nah. kind of weird. A friend of mine and I were talking before that this came up, and he brought up River City Rebels like out of nowhere. Like, yeah. I was like, hey, Revel, do you remember that show in Wallingford? It was a be- one of the most, my favorite venues that closed. It was a Knights of Columbus and then turned mm-hmm. into, like, luxury apartments or some bullshit in Wallingford. It was you guys and Big D and Folly. I don't know if you even remember them at all. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's weird because, I mean, I was in the band from, like, what, like, 99 to, like, 2002, I think, so. This would be, like, um, 0102. Yeah, so I was, uh, there's a lot of stuff, like, there's... Basically, like, 40% of the stuff that people bring up about River City Rebels is stuff that I remember. Yeah, that's fair. I can only imagine all of your life, like, anything yeah. in my life melds together, but touring, just that idea of it. Just yeah, like, absolutely. I, I, no, I don't expect stuff. you to remember any show, because there's nothing right. special happened to it unless you're an audience member. <laughs> it's a little bit of a blur at the moment, and, like, we didn't have Facebook and, like, Instagram and oh. stuff back then, so, like, I don't even have a lot of it kind of documented. I just have, like, the records that we did and, and some some foggy memories yeah what was the album that life's a drag i like i if i was got prepared like i meant to but the restaurant i went to was taking fucking forever uh, i would have had all this prepared like i meant to but uh, i always wait till last minute we can do it on the fly it's fine yeah yeah cool um so yeah. what album is life's a drag on is that, that was uh i think that was their third album on victory that was the one that they did right after i left so that was like maybe 2000 I think it was probably like late 2002 or yeah. 2003 maybe. And then they did that other one with um, uh, Sylvain from uh, New York Dolls. And that's that was kind of like their kind of New York era, I guess. Like a lot of those guys are kind of living down here or kind of splitting their time down here. But um, yeah. yeah, I was on the uh, yeah, I was on the second one that came out in, in uh, 01. So that, that was. Yeah, that's the one I had because it was. Um... Andy from the Flaming Tsunamis turned me on to them, or to them. oh nice, uh, and then um, because that was like I remember because I was like oh my god it's like punk and ska, this is crazy. Yeah. I was pretty young, so I'm like 17 at this point, like 16, 17 in high school. I mean, I probably it. was too. I was probably like 18 or 19, yeah. I guess. Oh, so, you know. Yeah, when you're but... six, when you're 17, a 19 year old feel. At least I remember thinking someone 19 was much older, and now I look back, I'm like, oh, me and these people are like are peers. Like I would like. Yeah. They, I remember like talking to Dave from Big D and being like starstruck because I was like seventeen. And now if I saw him, I'm like, dude, we're the same age. You're like five years older than me. 
Yeah, it's all it's all a wash after twenty five or something, I guess. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And then yeah, I oh man, uh, what was I gonna say? But yeah, and then who in your bands? And one of you you have a member from uh, Big D as well. Yeah, he's um, uh, Derek Davis, the drummer. Is uh, he plays in Big D and he plays in the Toasters as well. Oh shit! So he kind of well, he lives in Astoria. So he lives here in New York, and I like I knew he was a really good drummer, and we were kind of looking for someone, and I don't think I had ever hung out with him before, but like I knew who he was, and I knew that there were a lot of bands that wanted to work with him, so he was kind of like high up there on the list of people that we didn't know but thought might be interested. But so, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he's like the hardest hitting. He's like a walking metronome, and he just bangs the fuck out of the drums, and it's just perfect for this band. So, and you, and you guys aren't a ska band. For anyone's listening, it, it's not ska. <laughs> now, <laughs> which I also do... still love ska, but I, I um, I yeah. I was listening to the record like this whole week, and I was like, this is really fucking good. Like, um, <laughs> it was one of those experiences I've had like as an adult where I listened to the record, and I didn't do that thing. I was like, oh, it sounds like this, and it sounds like that. I was like, just fucking sounds really good. It didn't sound I, like a ripoff of anything, which it's no band's fault. You just hear so much music, everything sounds like something at some point. But this just didn't have that sound at all. It just sounded really original and just I, I just really liked it. I was happy. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's well, I you know the thing like it's 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 always like a hard question for bands to get. What is your uh, influences and what do you sound like and everything? And you know the thing is you get like you have to do that. So I I kind of try my best to do it, but it's just. Yeah, it's just it's punk rock. Uh, it's got sort of like a, I think, sort of alternative, sort of grungy overtones, garage rock kind of thing to it. Um, we've heard people say that we sound like Rancid. Other people say that we sound more like Husker Du. Other people will say that it's sort of just like a straight up grunge album. Other people will say it's like a street punky sort of album. So I don't know. That's the thing is you you, you write an album, you record it, and you kind of have to rely on everyone else to tell you what it is sometimes. And, and that's like not many people have heard it. So we're, we're still in that stage of yeah. what exactly are we? We're trying to get that elevator speech ready. It's so weird to hear you talk about a band and like that professional aspect, but like that's totally what a band is. Cause I'm like, when I was like 18, I wouldn't ever never thought that a band with like elevator speeches and like professional stuff. And then when I'm like, got older and like I had a couple of cousins who like made careers out of music and I was like oh music's a job for some people and you have to treat it as such if you want to actually do it for a living yeah there's this yeah there's a sense of I guess it's like not the most romantic thing in the world because uh, when you're writing and recording and playing and getting that kind of camaraderie it's there's definitely like a romance to it and like a us against the world sort of thing. And we're playing music cause we love it. But yeah, there is a, like a lot of grunt work to it. Just like anything else. Um, I mean, you get, you know, it's the same music, film, TV, whatever it is. There, there's always, there's always someone doing something a little banal behind the, behind the romance. And, and you know, we're in that, we're releasing the record in a month and a half. So we're, we're totally on that train right now of just how many emails do we need to send out today? Right. <laughs> how many, uh, like what bands are we going to compare ourselves to to get someone to do a record review and all the rest. Yeah. Uh, how did this band come together? Were you guys all like working stiffs who just wanted to get back into music or some of you still 
making money as just musicians? Well, I, th- I guess, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of split. Cause I think that Derek, you know, from, from big D and, and the toasters is, uh, he's, he's definitely sort of doing this as a career and has been for a while. And it, it makes sense just because he's such, he's very pro and, then we've got George, the lead guitarist, who's a, a composer down here, and he plays in his own band, but he sort of makes his living just from doing sort of freelance composing. Wow, that's and, awesome. Yeah, so those two guys are they, they work really hard, but they're they're not totally involved in sort of the everyday, as I said, kind of grunt work of sending emails and stuff like that, which is totally fine. Oh yeah, there's always the, gotta be the one guy or the one person in the band's gotta do that. Someone's yeah, got to be the business person. Yeah, it's like over the years, you know, playing in different bands, you sort of realize that democracy is a nice idea, but it doesn't always work. And, you know, they but, the you know, the thing that just overrides everything is that they just love the band so much. So they love kind of showing up and playing. And, it you know, it's not like they didn't write any. They totally worked really hard to get the album sounding perfect. And we did it in like a bunch of different places. And but then um you know, but then the other side of the band is is uh, me and Sarah, and she is a freelancer. She's a graphic designer, and she did like all of, she does all of our designs and everything. And nice. then I'm a I'm a teacher, and I'm in school here in the city. So the two of us, like that half of the band, are definitely sort of doing it more for fun. But we're not opposed to trying to make a living off of it. I just like I've never done that before, so I'm I'm, I'm sort of like trying to figure out from a bunch of different people what that even means in the year 2015. I mean, the last time I was in a band that was touring and putting out a bunch of records was 15 years ago. Oh God, so much has changed. Yeah. I mean, we were on a label and the label took care of a lot of stuff for us. And I, I never, it's, it was, I was almost a little spoiled just, I was like 18, 19 and, yeah, we're on Victory Records, so we just like anytime we needed anything, a new batch of CDs or a new batch of T-shirts or touring posters or whatever, we just call them up and they'd send them over, and voila. Damn, the day it's just so different now. Now I feel like labels tend to do less, or you have to do twice as much for half the pay, or it's just such a different yeah. world. Was your last band River City, or were you like just doing like little stuff on the side for like, the years? I've done, I've done some other stuff. I've done. Like my actually my my primary instrument is trumpet, so nice. I've always got a lot of people who want to throw a horn part on their album or something. Just a lot of friends who are in the studio, so I do, I've done a lot of that. Um, I played in a band from Brooklyn until like 2010. Played in that band for about three years called Teletextile, and they were sort of like an artsy indie rock sort of thing. Um, so it wasn't. You know, it was a totally different speed from River City Rebels, but even to this day, RCR is that was like my major kind of musical period in my life, I guess. Yeah. Are you? So, a, is it safe? Is it a safe guess to say you're a music teacher? I'm not actually. No, I teach. Oh. Politi- I teach political science. Um, oh wow, in, that's awesome. In Manhattan, and I, it's like it's like a total disconnect between that half of my life in this half i think oh, but that's Which, so nice though right like to have like two different parts of your life yeah you know when you get older you just, you got to start compartmentalizing who you are in these different places or whatever it's like when you're a kid you're like oh, i'm playing a punk rock band so i got to be a punk rocker i gotta like 
drink 40s and, you know, yeah. smoke cigarettes and, like, break mailboxes and stuff. And then when you when you get a little bit older, you're like, I, I can kind of do punk rock as a uh, kind of like a secondary identity or something. Mm-hmm. So but it's cool. It's it's actually it's pretty it's pretty liberating. I get to go out on the weekends and and, and, and sing some punk rock songs. So do it, your students know what you do? Not really. No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I think I mentioned that I'm a musician just when I'm kind of introducing myself, but they don't give a shit, right? Cause you're a teacher there. Yeah. I, it's weird. I, I have no idea what kids listen to these days. So I don't know if they turn on yeah, and be like, what the fuck is this? Or, uh, or if they would think it's, so I don't know. I don't, I, I try not to mix the two worlds, I guess that much, but, um, you know, for me personally, it's a good combination. You gotta wait till you have your first like PTA night and or a PTA night and like after the War of the Duke's gone a little bit bigger and then all of a sudden you're gonna have a parent come in with a T-shirt and you're like ah fuck yeah exactly yeah exactly like some parent who who uh, went to one of our early shows or something so you're like fuck. But, yeah I mean I, I mean obviously that's gotta happen somewhere down the line right like because even some of the bands I I don't know I have this um, thing in my head where like. There's stories I've always heard about bands who I thought, that, and like maybe they put out like one album. It's like pretty common, I would say, with like emo bands, like Boys Life or something, that I heard about, or like Mineral. All those bands had broken up, and by the time I found out about them, so in my head, Refuse, like perfect example, I thought that was the biggest band in the entire world. And then they were probably just regular dudes, but I, do you ever listen to this podcast called uh, Going Off Track? I think I've heard of it. Yeah, I think oh, as we were sort of going through the list, but yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's uh, Stephen Smith from Fuse and Jonah Bear. Um, super oh, nice. Dudes. Yeah, yeah. But it's like music and comedians. But they've had a lot of those like bands come on, and then like yeah. hear them talk about. I think it was someone. I think it was someone from Mineral. How he's like goes to bring his kid to daycare, and or it was American Football rather. It was a kid from American Football talking about like. He goes to bring his kid to daycare, and then, like, the guy at the daycare, like, recognizes him from American football. But that part of his life has been over for years until the reunion show. So it's like – it always right. kind of strikes me. Cause I yeah. Have my, I have a cousin. My cousin Sarah played in this band called Unwound, which she's way older than me. But that, they were in that, like, Slater Kenny fucking uh, Sonic Youth world. Sure. And, I'll, and, like, once in a great while, like, her new band came through Providence, and I saw them, and there was, like, someone – who recognized her for something like she's told me stuff of like bringing her kids to daycare or something like that or like weird aspects of life someone recognizes her for something from, like 30 years ago i forgot where yeah. i was going with all of this no just <laughs> you know <laughs> that, that's pretty common on the show parents i guess there's uh there's wasn't there some uh there was like a documentary on maybe a year it came out a year oh, or two ago is that what it's called? Is like Lars Fredrickson was talking about having a kid and being a and being in a punk rock band at the same time. Or, Who's or he? He's in. Um... He's he's a guitarist for Rancid. And, yep, yep, that's that's yeah. the one. And he was talking. It was something about like you know like when punk grows up or something like that. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I guess it's a really great documentary. It was really great. Yeah, it was. I mean, just kind of showing that. I mean, what did you think you were going to do for the rest of your life? You, you know, people have kids and they get jobs and they have mortgages and they got to pay rent and stuff. So you see like Fat Mike with his daughter and then uh, it kind of followed the story of what's the dude from Lost City. No. Oh, God. Pennywise. Oh, yeah. Him like with his daughters and then like going on tour for 300 and something odd days of the year. We played this, uh, what was it, Northside Fest this summer, Northside Festival in Brooklyn and 
against me headlined one of the nights. And so we, you know, we're up uh, in front of the stage, like, you know, screaming, singing along, pumping our fists and everything. And then suddenly, you know, Laura Jane gets off stage and then she goes to the back and then like we, we sort of look at them, go to the trailers and we're trying to kind of go over and hang out with them and get, our, get you know, get them our CD and everything. And, and just like a bunch of little kids came out and, like, you know, they, they have they, they tour with their with their kids now. And I don't know. I think there's something really cool about that. Just kind of bringing your life on the road with you, I guess. And I yeah, who knows? Maybe that happens with this band eventually. It's yeah. in, in way, but I've heard touring uh, at 40 because my cousin Sarah, like, she was playing with uh, the Kryn Tucker band and like, and they did a Japan tour and they all brought their kids, and like they had gone to Japan some years before and it's like seeing pictures when you go in there and to sightsee and get drunk and have fun and then you go back and be like full time mom. Yeah, those run. kids are gonna have the coolest stories when they grow up too. Right, I know. Like my little cousin Nico, he was in fucking. He's not even like six, and he's already been on Portlandia and been to Japan and all this cool shit. Right. I was like, oh, not yeah. that wasn't me at all. <laughs> yeah. But so totally. you grew up in Brockton, so like, what? So were you involved in the Boston scene? Yeah. I, well, I I went to well, I guess it was more Stoughton than Brockton. I I, I lived in Brockton until I was what thirteen or so, and then okay. Um, but Stoughton had like a really like interesting music scene just because it was a lot of kids who played in bands in high school and then like the dropkick murphys would come down and like play with those bands in these basements and like behind the supermarket so and then the other thing was that uh the outpost which was this it's still going i guess i haven't been there or or, or talked to the the producer there for many years it's where rcr uh rebels did our records or the first few anyway. And that's also in Stoughton. And so like the Mighty Mighty Boston's recorded there, Ducky Boys, Dropic Murphy's did do or die there. Um, who else? Like blood for blood recorded there. Um, cave I think at one point way, way back in the day recorded there. So Stoughton, yeah, Stoughton was like this interesting, very unassuming little, like super average suburb that had a lot of really cool musical stuff going on. It was about, what, 15 miles south of Boston. And so it was like, yeah, really unassuming suburb, but just like a lot of cool musical happenings bubbling up late nineties, early two thousands, that, that kind of period. The Scott heyday, late nineties. Totally. Yeah. Oh, well, man. that, that was, uh, yeah. I mean, it was like big D and like what kicked in the head was, was doing oh, a I bunch of shows. And... Um, I remember seeing kicked in the head once and then they drove back to Boston, and their van got in an accident. And I remember being so heartbroken. Oh, it was, really? It was like yeah. they played some show in Connecticut, and then like snowed. It was like, oh, who? I don't remember who it was with. But I remember I fucking I haven't heard that name in a long time. Those guys were one of the hard. I remember those guys were like inspirational in how hardworking they were. They would play all the time, and they'd play everywhere, and they'd always have like a couple hundred kids come out and know every single song, and yeah. Um, I don't think they well they weren't really they had horns in it but it was more like kind of I don't know it was like hardcore punk with horns it's kind of what the River City Rebels were were sort of trying to do back then yeah There's, I think there was something about like ska and I I mean I've always been a huge fan of ska but yeah, me too. there was something about that time period especially in New England where it was like not like people were not presenting themselves as ska bands even if they were or something like that even like Catch Twenty Two at one point I don't. Maybe they weren't doing it, but I remember being like, they're not a ska band. They're just punk with horns. And I'm like, 
I don't know. That's pretty Scott. I've listened to Keys Be Nights. <laughs> yeah, everyone was punk with horns. But I um, love Scott. Like, I, I genuinely love Scott to this day, and I don't understand why more people don't. It really bums me out sometimes. I really want to write a ska song for Warren the Duke. Well, what we do is, well, I think you're going to have to. I think I think it's a must these days. I think I think it, you know, maybe it's coming back or something and I always get ska songs in my head and I kind of present it to the band and they're like we're not we're not going to do that. Do they all so, listen to like Streetlight Manifesto cuz that's like punk with horns, but I listen to Street my I listen I love to them. Streetlight. Yeah, totally. Um I've seen them a bunch of times when they did their um a few years back when they did like their albums in their entirety in New York City, I saw mm. the Highline Ballroom. It was one of the best shows I ever saw in my entire life. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Small venue. And those dudes fucking, they play hard. Yeah. Even like so. the fucking horn players, when they're not doing anything, they're like jumping around screaming every lyric and like, those dudes are into it. Yeah. You got to have the horn section get involved in the, in the, in the party, I think. You know, they're not, they're not in a ska band. They're not like a backup. It's not like they're playing for Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah. And, you're, you're you know. part of it. Hired guns or whatever. Have you? Do you remember? Like there, there was definitely this era where you could go see a ska band. And there was always like a saxophone player, and you could tell it was like one kid from band class they took who had no interest in being there. Well, that's what. Yeah, that's what like all my bands were growing up. Totally. And yeah. there was there was that Onion article like more like more uh, was it like more more members in the ska band than there are in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever go to the Hard Times that website like the punk rock onion? yeah it's like the, it's like the punk rock onion yeah oh, totally funniest some... shit, shit. one of them was like way too accurate to me it was like local man thinks scenes died when they stopped going to shows i was like oh fuck that was totally me <laughs> right yeah no that's that's definitely I was like, oh the scene's dead man because I, I, I grew up in the connecticut scene and then it got real it just changed into something i wasn't really into you know you grow and i just wasn't that, ever really yeah, in that's time. one of the things with us like even you know i mean we're all like in our 20s and 30s and stuff but like we we're kind of trying to book a lot of shows for, you know, this release and everything. And, and I'm kind of like, you know, I don't like do kids book shows at VFWs anymore. I, I, I just don't I, know. I don't ask. I, kids. Yeah. They, and that's the thing. And, and like, I've kind of asked people and they're like, yeah, they still do. Um, you know, and, and I'm kind of like, cause I know they did when I was a kid, but I just like, and, and I know that when I was like, when I was 16, 17, setting up shows and playing in all my, you know, punk high school punk bands or whatever, I would just like have, this band of dudes from their thirties come in and, and they were, you know, everyone loved it. So I don't oh, know yeah. if that's still a thing. <laughs> like, I don't know if that still happens. I don't know if like, that's a thing. I, I just like kids kind of just creep me out. I think these days I'm like, what? Well, yeah, you <laughs> like, work with you them, right? Do? I just picture kids on like iPhones and I don't even know these days, but. And you're like working with kids. So you probably want to have that separation too. You want to be like, eh, yeah, well, I work with college kids. I, I teach. Oh, that's uh, good. I teach college, so they're maybe a little bit more. I mean, like some of them can drink at shows, I guess, which is, is you know. That, I, so you'd be playing a show for the people you're working with, for the kids you're teaching. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like in Connecticut, um, Mark, who runs Manic Productions, is all I know is the shows he does, is because we're like Facebook friends still, but like. I don't know what else goes on. I don't. I don't know anyone who has any ties to that world anymore, outside of yeah, like. Yeah, I guess I just the thing is, I never like the bands that I like or whatever. I just never see that they're playing a VFW or Knights of Columbus or whatever. But like, and I wouldn't go to one. That's the weird thing. I wouldn't do it. it, it yeah, I mean, it's it's a yeah, it's a little like weird. So, um, be like thirty-one years old, like, hey guys, all yeah, ages, right? Right. But even you know, that's the thing is, like, I think when I used to put on these shows, I I, I would I would always book 
like Darkbuster when, uh, like back in, I don't know, 98, 99 when I was in high school and we would get everyone in my high school to go. And then, you know, they would go drink out back in the bar area with all the other members of the Knights of Columbus. And then like a bunch of other kind of, you know, late twenties, 30 year olds would show up and, and they would have a good time too. So it was, it was just kind of like a cool mix. So if anyone out there, you know, knows anything about that, like, hey, Buck, uh, it's funny you said that. Cause I remember I booked, I booked a nothing major, but I booked a few shows when I was younger. But I remember doing one of the disabled Americans veterans hall, which is like, I can't, you know, just average hall. And I had right. a bar in the bottom and having to run back and forth all night to get the bands to be on time to play. Cause right, I was right, like 22 right. and I was like 19, I was eight. No, I was, yeah. I was 18 and being like, and it was just like old drunk people who hang out with that place. And you like lied and said you're throwing a birthday party with music. Right. And it's like, that was like the backstage area, right? It was like, yeah, where, and like it was like where you get warmed up for the show is like with, uh, with the people who are probably aren't going to watch your e- show <laughs> equidistant in age to you. And they're yeah. kind of just like, so what are you doing here again? You're in that party with all of the, like the, yeah, why there, do you whatever, but, I don't know. Yeah. No, but I, I remember, remember it was, uh, it, it was like trying to pull like, uh, they changed their name to a Wilhelm scream, but they were mm. then smacking Isaiah trying to get them to be on stage on time. But they were like finishing their beer, but I was like right. 18 trying to tell 20 year olds what to do. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I always found that to be kind of a challenge too. I was like this spiky haired little, uh, rug rat, you know, talking to these guys who sort of came into the suburbs from Boston and they, they, they weren't exactly, having me being the, uh, the, the, the promoter or the organizer of it or whatever, but not often. I mean, everyone was really cool about it, but it was, uh, you know, it was cool to just start in the music world as a semi adult or whatever. I was an adolescent back then, obviously, but it was cool to just like learn how to, yeah, like organize things like that and actually figure out what it means to put a show together and how to get people there. And you got to spread the word and you got to get a flyer looking good and you got to give people a reason to go there, right? which is a lot harder to do in New York city when oh there or Boston or whatever city, you know, whatever city we're playing when there's like a million things going on that night, mm-hmm. you just got to sort of get your friends there and hopefully they sort of bring some friends and stuff. But yep. so and like now I'm, we're all at the age where like I got work in the morning or people right. have kids. It's like, I don't just go to shows anymore. Like I used to, I don't even call them shows. I go to concerts now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to a show in years. Right. Well, even like, yeah, even running a band, I was talking to a friend about this the other day who I used to play music with in high school. And it's like, if you're running a band, you've got to understand, like, if you're in high school and you're playing in a band, you go to school, you're out by what, 2 p.m. You can go just like hang out in your friend's basement and play music for the next three hours. And it's fun. It's not a job. You don't have to worry about money. You know, you might have like a weekend job or something, but then when you're older, it's, you gotta like, you gotta either somewhat monetize that somehow, or you've got to just understand that not everyone in the band is going to be as gung ho about it as you are. Oh yeah. At, yeah, least, of at least when it comes to doing the, like playing. Yeah. You want to get people who love playing, but oh, yeah, it's, of course. That's in the terms number of like one. setting shows and going on and everything. And you know, it's, it's like, I, I think I have realized that recently and it's, it's actually like a really. I don't mind it. Like, I, I don't mind the fact that we're all working and we all, you know, a lot of us playing different bands, a couple of us playing different bands and all that kind of stuff. And we, we find a way to make, to make it work, but it really is about just management and, and, uh, you know, 
kind of like doing, figuring out who's going to do what work and then just kind of making it all come together in the end. Uh, To do a little punk rock nostalgia, remember the days when um, like comps were the way you found out about new bands, like an Equal Vision or Victory Records comp would like change your life? Yeah, like every single band I got into, well, not every single one, but like, yeah, it it was either... Take yeah, action, like, plea for peace, or victory styles, man. Like the one that had the Taking Back Sunday B side of uh, the Ballad of Al Solanovo. I remember like being thinking that was like, oh my god. I remember like Vagrant used to do the Another Year on the Streets. Right, right. Oh my god. And now, I think I probably have found I probably found River City Revels because they were on, Kill Normal was a small label from Connecticut, and they probably mm-hmm. put them on that because Big D was on there too. Mm-hmm. Oh, what song? I don't remember the Big D song. Like yeah, we, yeah, that's, um, it was, it was comps and then like, it was a weird time when we were doing it. Cause I think we did, yeah, we did a bunch of comps and then we like, I think we we're on like a side one dummy comp or something. Yeah, uh, that might be right. Year. Well, they did it. The, they did the warp tour comps every year. Yeah. Yeah. They do. So, the warp tour. I had those. Right. But then the other thing that started to happen, cause I think we got started, I think we got signed to victory in like 2000 and we were on Napster. We were like the Napster featured song of the week or something. <laughs> oh my which, god! Yeah, I remember like it was the sort of thing where it was really good for bands, but it wasn't good for labels, you know. Obviously, yeah. So we were psyched about it, but the you know, and then like the funnier thing was like there was so much controversy about that kind of free music sharing stuff back then, and it kind of turns out that all the people who we thought were assholes about that stuff were totally right. Like Lars Ulrich and uh, Dr. Dre and precisely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They, like they were like, listen, you're going to ruin the ability for people to make money off of music and make a living off of it. And I, know. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like every kind of new technology. It had its, it's, it's, it's uh, positives and negatives. I mean, like it, in one way it made music much more democratic, just, you know, the idea that like, anyone can kind of record an album on garage band or something like that. But at the same time, yeah, anyone you know, can do it. And that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. everyone should be recording an album. Yeah. I mean, I know I, th- I think it's definitely cool, but it's, it's like, you know, not everyone's going to make money anymore. Um, and so, yeah, you know, pluses and minuses, all that stuff. Uh, man. So can you, did you, um, I don't know if you're able to talk about, it. did you have a, good experience of victory they're just every band i loved on victory had at some point very it may have been some years later but if you type in victory records into google or whatever you're gonna see victory records and the bottom two things are like band hates this band sued like did you guys have to any of that stuff or you got i think i think the thing about it was we had i mean i say we they i think they got signed before i was even in the band so i kind of joined after they went on victory but they You know, they were this band from the middle of Vermont, and and they had a huge following up there. Like everyone loved River City Rebels in Vermont, but it, back in those days, you, you, like there was no way, there was no way to tour and get a following and put out seven records or whatever they did if if you didn't have a label doing it. Just yeah. just because the band members themselves would kind of get fatigued from having to like chalk up, you know, three or $400 a piece every time they wanted to record or something like that. So, um, 
I mean, my like personally, my experience with victory was always really good. That's kind of cool here. Yeah, I was I, th- I think like at the very beginning, I was always doing a lot of I just did like a ton of promotion for the band and they were always just, you know, I mean, we had a big label who wanted to sell records. So they would kind of just I'd be like, hey, I need a bunch of promotional posters to bring to, you know, Newbury Comics or whatever. And, and, and they would send them on over. So, um, yeah, personally, I I I. I always had a good working relationship with them for sure. So, but I mean, I've, I've heard bad stories, but I just don't know. I was never personally a part of it. So. And you were on victory at like prime victory era though. That's like, they put out every, uh, that's like, I mean, when I found victory, like I'll, I'll never deny the amount of albums I love from that label. Like, uh, yeah, that was, it was, it was like, yeah, they it was had like, like Snapcase, but like, honestly for me, it was boy sets fire. It was the, uh, after the eulogy album was like that was the first band that turned me into that world i was just happy to be on a label that they were on like at the same time you know like yeah uh, yeah, yeah label mates with them and then i think they did thursday and taking that sunday yeah. and i was always really into those bands but and then it's I think funny. the bad stories kind of happened after that they, they i mm. might have been out of that world by the time i've heard all the legal stuff right right well it's funny because like i you know, like in Brooklyn, which is where we play most of our shows at this stage, like there's a lot of bands coming out with um, that are releasing their albums on tape. Yeah, I don't get like that. Cassette, cassette tape. And it's funny because I'm it makes me feel really old because I like I went back to my parents house a few weeks ago and I went just like kind of, you know, putzing around the attic or whatever. And I found this huge box of promotional tapes from Victory Records. It was like us and... I think it was like River City Rebels and Catch-22 split sampler tape. Oh, man, that's a good split. Yeah. That's a I don't real know. good split. Yeah, and I was, I was kind of like, oh, man, like we used to actually – I was in a band at one point in my life that actually put out tapes not in a retro way. Yeah, on like, a label. Like, this that's... wasn't like – this This isn't like a um, – you know, this isn't like a vintage uh, kind of operation we were under. Like we were putting out tapes because that's what most people listened to back then. So anyway, one of the many things that makes me feel probably older than I am. I'm not. I'm. I'm not that old, but I'm. I'm definitely feeling it. So. <laughs> well, you're. Yeah, the music. It, it just moves so fast. Like it moves yeah. real fast. Like rapid speed. Yeah, I mean, you gotta. There's already like uh, history or like, documentaries about that period of time. Is already ex- like downloaded, which is right. really great. I don't know if you ever got to see that. It's on Netflix, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh my god, I lived through that period of time. That was like yep. only ten years ago. And I'm like, oh, that was fifteen years ago. Fuck, how did that happen? Right. Well, it's funny because I, I remember like a few years, like maybe five years ago, I was talking to someone and I was like, you know, I don't. They're never gonna bring tapes back. Like people brought records back. Like I used to buy seven inches when I was in, you know, yeah. ninth grade or 10th grade or whatever. And I'd go to use record stores and, you know, try to get these like rare seven inches or whatever. And growing up in Boston, I'd go to a show, I'd buy their seven inch and everyone always thought I was weird, but I was like, no, it's like cool. Cause it's not modern or something. But there's better audio quality on um, vinyl than there is on a cassette. Like that seems right. like such a Brooklyn thing. Cause that isn't going to sell anywhere else besides Brooklyn. Like I don't have a way to play a tape. Right. It's well, it's definitely warmer. I mean, like the sound is 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 warmer than a than a CD or like a um, like an iTunes or a, you know Spotify yeah. track or whatever. But um, yeah, so it's but you know I was talking to someone a few years ago. I was like, these tapes are never coming back. Why would anyone listen to anything on tape? And now I'm kind of like, CDs are never going to come back either. Give it time, but, maybe they will. <laughs> but I actually do believe that. 
like I, why would you, there's nothing like romantic and like vintage feeling about getting like a laser disc. No. You know what I mean? Like CDs were actually, I think the worst form because it was like, it was really small. They broke, they scratched. You couldn't read the lyrics. And like, there was actually nothing good about a CD. And then they charged you like an absurd amount of money. Like when you look back at it, like a, a, a yeah, it was vinyl like, is beautiful. Right, right, right. It was like $18 for like a CD at, I don't know, Sam or whatever those record. stores are called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, and then I'm like, why did I spend like, and I mean, I bought Catch-22 at fucking FIE and like, right, because of Napster actually. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> and, and things like that. Um, but, so like how are I, some of the new band, like you've been playing around Brooklyn, like is it, there must be a whole lot of uh, people that just, like who are in bigger bands or bands who are just like kind of putzing around that you guys must get to rub elbows with or play with in some fashion. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, it's like a really, it's like one of those things when you're, when you start it and the band's only like a year old and you don't exactly get to pick the scene that you, that's going to like you. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of really awesome bands from Brooklyn that are not really anything like we do. Um, that I actually really like playing with. So like, there's a lot of kind of like indie rockish sort of shoegaze bands down here. And, and I, you know, I do love that. So I'll always love punk rock and, um, you know, kind of the street punk stuff and everything. And, you know, like Oi and Scott and all that stuff. But there's, you know, there's a lot of bands that, that we, like we played this, um, uh, festival about a month or month and a half ago or so called gigawatts fest and it was just i don't know it was a cool mix of like sort of shoegazy bands but then like braid headlined um oh man which yeah it was was like a totally random kind of non-shoegazy band that that got thrown into the mix and um yeah so it's just it's it's like a really sort of interesting thing where we're just kind of playing like we're aiming to play more venues than we are like the venues that we want necessarily than the bands that we want to play with or the bands that sound like us, I guess, mm-hmm. because we don't exactly know what bands around here sound like us. So it's, it's kind of confusing, but it's cool. Like I just, I try to just sort of keep an open mind and, and, uh, you know, seems like most of the shows that we play are just cool. Even if, uh, even if the bands are playing with aren't exactly totally up our alley, you know, sound wise. So so the mix and match is still happening because I'm I'm out of this world completely. But like, mm-hmm. I remember like tour. I used to love a good tour that would like not make sense. But like, uh, the last one I probably remember being surprised by like Alkaline Trio and Cursive toured together, and I was like, that's fucking great. But like, yeah, back in the day, like in Connecticut, it was always like six bands that didn't make sense on the same venue. It, right. Totally. Yeah. And then you have, you know, you have bands like the Mighty Mighty Boston's who will play you know, anything. I mean, they opened well, for the Foo Fighters recently. Right. Yeah. They, and they, they, you know, they, they play pretty much straight up ska with like a punk rock sort of ethos to it. But yeah. they'll, they'll totally play with, you know, hardcore bands and yeah, they'll play with Mad Ball. They don't whatever, care, I guess. So, it, yeah, I mean, um, I definitely like a lot of diversity and kind of the, the stuff that we're doing um, and the, the, like the, the shows that we're playing. That's awesome. So what made you want to start the band back up or get back into music again while being an adult? I don't know. I mean, just uh, like I was sort of just I've been in school for a long time and I was sort of like just sick of just doing that. And I had 
kind of just like an inkling one night to to start writing a song on um, or recording a song on GarageBand that I sort of had kicking around in my head. And um, yeah, I did that and I sort of played it for a few friends and like my roommate is a drummer in a bunch of bands here in Brooklyn. And I was like, sort of like, you know, do you want to sort of would you like help me get started with this thing? And um, found this guitar player who used to play in Elias Stitches from New York, which was like one of my favorite bands in high school. So he came down and helped out and he introduced me to Sarah and she was just fantastic right off the bat. Um, and yeah, it just sort of took on a life of its own. You know, I got in touch with Derek, as I said, and then, you know, George was a friend of mine who I'd always see at shows around here. And, um, and I think like after a couple of weeks, it was sort of like, Oh man, this could like, we could actually play shows and we could actually put out a record. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, it's like, there's a lot of doubts that you automatically get by playing in a new band, but, um, I guess I just didn't feel them. So I kept going with it. That's awesome. And you guys yeah. are like organized and still got your shit together, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've tried, it's like, it was all about just sort of getting things like as, as presentable as possible over the last year. And I, I think like we, we worked really hard on the record, we spent like all winter doing that, which was kind of easy to do because the weather in New York City was, oh, it was awful fucking insane. winter. Yeah, it was like snowing until like April. So, yep. you know, there's nothing to do but sit around and write songs and and uh, fuck around with with uh, you know music recording programs and stuff. And so, are you yeah. guys gonna? Are you, is the goal to do like a tour, like a big tour? I know you guys have been playing out a little bit. I would love, you know, I'd, I'd love to do a tour. I mean, it's, it's, um, I think we're going to try to maybe do something like in the winter, uh, maybe like go down South if possible. Um, but yeah, for now, I mean, we've got a couple shows in Boston. Um, we're thinking about trying to make a weekend out of something maybe in like November, December, and then kind of seeing if, uh, if we could jump on the leg of something, uh, you know, some kind of bigger tour or something, but, uh, nice everything is just kind of taking it day by day, make it up as we go along and just kind of being open to advice from all sorts of different people. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's awesome. And then, yep. like, uh, you know, and you're, you're in a good place to be like most bands have to travel to get to a show to in New York, but you're already there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's like, as I said, like New York is, um, on the one hand, you kind of always, almost feel like you're on tour when you're playing in New York, just because, you know, you can always get sort of label people to come out and check you out and everything. And it's, you know, sort of seems cliche to say, but just like, this is kind of where everything happens. So, um, but as I said, kind of the downside of that sometimes is just, there's a, there's a billion things going out, going on on a Friday night. So it's, it's kind of a double edged sword, but, um, yeah, I, I really like, I love playing in New York. I love getting out of New York. Um, you know, I, I definitely do want to tour again with this thing, though. Like, go out to West Coast, go to the South, you know, maybe go overseas at some point. But Oh, yeah, that'd um, be awesome. That's like, yeah, that's where you yeah. make the money nowadays. Is it? Well, yeah, that's, my, that's um, no. <laughs> not my friend. My friend Dan did was merch, but he's friends with, like, um, he's involved in the New Brunswick area scene, like, big time. 
like with like the scandals and I and I had Sean from the scandals on and they've gone to Europe with gaslight. Oh, nice, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, that he's like, yeah, that's like the... tour in America. It's like there's it's, it's, huge. it's yeah, it's enormous. It's like you you leave New York and you know when you're on the East Coast, you run into a city every what three or four hours, right? Yeah, even and once you leave here, you're like, where is it? Like the nearest city is Indianapolis or something, and yeah. Um, but that was something like I, when I was in River City Rebels, we we kind of prided ourselves on playing towns that no one would ever play, and kids would drive from like sixty miles away or more to come see us, just because it was like the big event going on. It means way in more. The middle, like, yeah, like the middle of Idaho or something. Yeah, and then you with, get to be in a part of the country you probably would have never saw in your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. No, never avoid the small towns. That's like every it, band should know that, right? Like, well, we were from Vermont, so it, it made total sense for us at the yeah. time. And, uh, and like I, we did a reunion show um, last August in New Hampshire, and uh, you know, like we all went. I brought a bunch of friends up there, and uh, a couple of the bandmates from Warren the Duke up there, and and we just like it was like this is just absolute fucking heaven right now, just being out of New York and just going to this kind of venue in the middle of nowhere and just having like 200 kids show up was just, was just awesome. Yeah. Even like Connecticut and Jersey has some of those pretty sweet venues too. Like the Stanhope house and like mm-hmm. rural New Jersey. And then, um, uh, anything manic productions done those look into those guys. Mark's the fucking man. Um, totally. Yeah. He, he'll probably know Derek or uh, Derek has played one of his shows. You've de- probably played one of his shows at one point. And so mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, it's it's just a small world, though. Everyone's grown up, and there's a handful of people still making a go at it in some facet, which is which is kind of what you want, right? Like you, yeah. not everyone gets to be Bruce Springsteen, but doesn't mean you can't play music. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I I, I, I always feel like in some capacity, I'll always do it. I don't know how serious I'll be about it in 20 years from now, but it's it's always going to be there. Oh, that's awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for doing the show. Um, where can people find you on uh, on the internet? Uh, yeah, you can go on, well, I guess the Facebook page is where we do most of our kind of activity, and we're going to be doing some pre-sales from the record on there pretty soon. Uh, we're on Twitter, Bandcamp, uh, Google, I guess, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, awesome. yeah, we're going to be releasing this thing in mid-October. And, uh, we got a music video that we just put out like a few weeks ago and that's on YouTube. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely like, I think we're getting some good press for everything. And, 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 uh, so we're, we're going to keep getting out there on, on the interwebs, uh, more and more. That's awesome. Um, well, yeah, thank you. I, so I could, uh, you said I can get this, you said you had a show in Boston, September 18th. Yeah, we're playing the it's the Boston Burning Fest um, at the Midway Cafe. I think that's on the I think we're playing the 19th, but it's a three day fest, so it's like the 18th. I think it's 18th through the 20th. And uh, Mark Lind from the Warning Shots is is putting that on, and I guess this is like their third or fourth year, and and it's doing really well. So we're doing that, and then we're playing up with Big Dina Kids Table and Spring Hill Jack on October 30th at Brighton Music Hall for the, the Big D annual Halloween show. So Oh, it's Halloween. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, man. So, 
So um, we're, we're, we're really psyched to do that. That's, dude, that's, I love uh, those shows. Kicked in the Head used to play those all the time. Yep, yep, every year. Oh so, God. And then Long uh, Island had their version of it, and Arrogant uh, Sons of okay. Bitches. Yeah, the Arrogant Sons of Bitches did a fucking tribute to Radiohead, and they did a ska album of Radiohead. I don't Holy know if you can find shit. it anymore. Do you remember Was that it? band by any chance? What band? Arrogant Sons of Bitches. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Jeff turned into Bob the Music Industry, now solo stuff. Oh, man, that's funny. I think every genre of music has done a Radiohead album at some point, but I didn't know this. I didn't know that Scott did it ever. You so. could probably find it, because Jeff puts cool. all that shit on, on, on I'm, I'm sure it's findable, but I remember like listening to that and being like, this is really fucking good. And Because like, I know yeah. Dub was it the, there's some reggae band that does that, too, is it like mm-hmm. something All-Stars? Something all stars, yeah. <laughs> Something all stars. Uh, not the right. sublime all star fan. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. awesome, man. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that that ska show. Um, I might go to that. That sounds way too fucking fun to miss. Awesome, man. Yeah. If you want, let me know. And I, I don't know if we have like a list or anything, but I'll throw oh, you on yeah, if, if we have. So yeah. Like an hour away from here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I don't know anyone around here music wise, but I'm slowly getting involved in that world because I was like, right. I, I, I love music and I love comedy, and now I'm like, huh. I've been meeting a right. lot of really cool people, and I have a friend who runs a space. I'm like, maybe I should put these together. Not for me. I want someone right. else to do all of the work. I just want to, I don't know, if someone's nice to you, you want to like pay it forward kind of thing. Do you go to any uh, Boston comedy things ever? Or no, like never. Like that? Isn't that weird? I, I was actually, because I was doing stand-up here a few years ago. and no uh, oh, yeah, That would have been a whole other hour. <laughs> yeah, I did a show up at... Uh, uh, what is it? Boston Improv, I think, yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago, and they, they got a great comedy scene up there. So I know I need to like comedy is kind of new to me because of uh, it's actually mm-hmm. podcasting. I got really listen to pod comedy podcast. Turned oh yeah, totally. It. And then now now yeah. I I flip back and forth from comedy and music, which what I like. Awesome man, cool. And also I don't know if you post like any videos or anything, but we've got that video. Um, or. If you wanted to play anything at the end of the show, I think I sent you That's right, the I album. I want to ask you that because um, there's one. Oh God, I'm so sorry. There's one lyric I really resonated with. I think it's on the song Chicago. Um, okay. It's not, I, I listen to your music while I drive, so I couldn't see the tracks. Uh huh. Right. <laughs> um, but it's like sleeping on a punk house floor, and I'm like. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. this is definitely the guy from River City Rebels. Well, you like, know, that's um, that that happened. Right. That 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 was about touring with RCR. So. Oh, because that's all I could. Think. Yeah, right. I, I wasn't kidding. I'm trying not to fan out too much. Like I listened to your album like in its entirety at least like three times. Cool man. Well, that's no, that's awesome. I'm flattered. Yeah, well, it's nice when like a band comes on that I actually like because some you know. Yeah. It's happened that where helps. I wasn't really into it. I was like, oh whatever. Totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe think of that so um, hard. Yeah, but no, if you wanted to throw that up or the other song we're, we're trying to push is the Harry O'Donnell song. That's yeah, one I'll, we put have up, to I'll put that so, one up, obviously. Yeah. Cool, man. And then, yeah, awesome. And, um, right on, man. All right, thanks a lot, Chris. I appreciate it. All right, have a good night. Tonight, go summer guilty one. Four forty-eight.
for now our tale is done Might as well just stand up and Scare the pigeons off the lawn Walk to the bus again I can't